Hi, this is Justin Haley, driving the number 31 College Racing Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series. Hey guys, this is Sheldon Creed, driver of the number two wheel in Chevrolet for RCR Race. Hey everybody, this is Adam Alexander from NASCAR on Fox. This is Sam Mayer. You're listening to the You're listening to the Front Stretch Podcast with Brian Brian Nolan. people this is the week of may the 3rd 2023 and i do not think any other family had as good of a weekend as the truex bunch what's going on ladies and gentlemen this is the front stretch podcast with brian on yours truly with you on this edition of the program we got my man steven stump he's going to be doing a twofer this week past two weeks was at Dover then it's going to be at Kansas he's all over the place and yes he even stayed that one extra day uh, got to hang out with the boss man Mr. Tom Bowles and then got to witness uh, a pretty entertaining couple of races we'll talk about that and more in the middle portion of the program Parker Kligerman driver the number 48 car for Big Machine Racing Big Machine Records joins the program he was very very outspoken about a plethora of topics just the what it has been like going from the trucks part-time to the Xfinity full-time whether there is a lack of respect and not just the trucks but in all three series and then we get his take on just the done the dynamics between him and his crew chief and Patrick Donahue all that coming up and more last but not least we're going to be previewing another mile and a half race we don't get though that many uh mile and a half anymore this upcoming weekend we'll be at kansas so we'll be diving into that and so much more so trey let's wave this green flag and wrap it up brother buggity, buggity, buggity. let's go racing boys Green flag is out. Green flag is out. I'm going to bring in the program. This guy knows more stats than I will ever know in my entire life. He is the man that you need to go to to get any and every kind of NASCAR statistic and probably other statistics, um, if we're being honest. My man, Stephen Stump, joined the program. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the program, my friend. What's going on? And uh, have you recovered from uh, a absolutely rain-soaked Dover International Speedway, bro? I'm glad to be here. Um, obviously, with the Monday, I just got back yesterday. Only two more days till I'm, you know, going back on the on the Grand to Kansas. It's oh. it was a great weekend. Haven't been able to relax a little bit today, so I'm having a good time. I love it, my friend. And um, like I kind of um, reiterated in the beginning, did any did any family have as good of a weekend as a Truex family? I mean, Ryan Truex took 188 races. He got to victory lane for the first ever time. Martin Truex Jr. took 54 races, and he broke a massive winless streak if we're not counting the clash. What an absolute historic and fantastic weekend it was for the Truex family, and especially Ryan and Martin Truex Jr. Indeed. Um, going into the race on Saturday, I don't think many people penciled Ryan Truex as a favorite, especially since there's also no practice qualifying, so we really didn't know who had the best stuff. But kind of quickly early on, like lap 15, I noticed he was quickly making his way up to the field, and then he got from 12th and from there on, after taking the lead in lap 34, he just dominated and cruised to the win. Won by almost five seconds for for a first win almost 13 years. It was quite the performance. And then 
for Martin on the cup race, it's his fourth win at Dover. It's the track he's won the most at. He started 17th, um, didn't make noise early, but he slowly worked his way up. Final stage, he was in the top three, um, got around Ross on the fi- last round of green flag pit stops by short fitting, and then took the two-tire call with James Small at the very end to drive away and, and score his first win in the next-gen car. You know, when I think about Martin Truex, and obviously we all know what has happened with him this in in the previous 365 days, um, a, a breakup with his longtime girlfriend, um, and then rumors of if he was going to leave uh, just to sport and retire, he decides to come back, and it feels like he's rejuvenated. And sure, he goes back and forth with with James Small and every and everything, but the thing is. He looked absolutely determined on Sunday, and and I, I was I was going back and forth on this. He he looks like he's a brand new person, and would would you be surprised, Stephen, if this kind of got him over the hump? Like we we always see, we we always see people have to get over that hump to get their first win, and it kind of it kind of feels like that after someone breaks their long winless streak. Could we see him tally up these wins just? after he got that big winless streak off of his back this past Monday. So as we all know, winning cures everything. It was a frustrating mm-hmm. season last year, but obviously with the, the clash win at the start of the year, the morale was a lot better. The 19 team has to be a lot better now that they locked themselves in the playoffs. And as for Turks returning, so Joe Gibbs in the, in the conference after winning was obviously, you know, very excited and he made it very clear. If uh, Martin wants to stay at JGR, he's going to keep racing at JGR. And I, and honestly, I would not be surprised to see him come back. I mean, I was very, very confident he would retire after the 2023 season, but just so far this year, uh, it's a different kind of Martin that, that we're seeing. He looks, he looks happy. He looks rejuvenated. He looks healthier. Um, he looks like he is absolutely having fun. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, a guy that is, is not really um, having a lot of fun because he's making enemies. That is Mr. Ross Chastain. Every single week, uh, Ross Chastain seems to get in to someone's mess or cause someone's uh, mess. And well, Steven, he caused another mess this past Monday absolutely just wrecking the you know what out of Brennan Poole evident uh, eventually gets Kyle Larson caught up in the mess uh, and Larson had a strong car he could have won this race this past Monday what's it gonna take Stephen for someone just to show Ross and put Ross just to put Ross just to put Ross's place to get put into his place because I mean we see it time and time again. There's no consequences. And Ryan Priest did it to Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson didn't do really anything. I mean, he sure he held him up for three laps to go. Um, and that kind of decreased the uh, um, him tra- uh, tracing the 19 down. Chasing the 19 down, I should say. But I mean, time and time again, Stephen, there's nothing. No- nobody does anything to Ross Chastain. So what is it going to take? I mean, despite despite your thoughts on it, I do think kind of Larson trying to hold him up okay. was was something because obviously it was it didn't matter in the end because of the caution, but he had lost over a second in those couple laps where he was held up by Larson. Had it gone to the green to the end, that might have been the difference. But I think in terms of Ross, I think it just comes down to 
whether people just decide, okay, enough's enough. And I know obviously Denny kind of reached that point last year at Pocono, but because as, because as Larson said, kind of in his interview after the race, he may, he can, he's saying, sorry, but he still finished, he still finished second. I mean, and obviously in Larson's case, it's also been a pretty frustrating um, moment because of the 11 races this year, he's been spent six of them in the garage area, more than half. It's it's checkers or wreckers for that team. But I guess in regards, I guess in regards to Ross, I mean, combined with last year, there's just a lot of incidents that are keep piling up and eventually saying I'm sorry is not going to be enough if it keeps happening. Exactly. And I mean, it kind of is like it's kind of like a little kid. They can say sorry and sorry and sorry, but until their actions change, they're not going to change. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a little kid. It can be just grown adults. Um, Whether you do something, you do something, you do something, whether whether until you actually put your money where your mouth is and actually change and your actions show that you change that's going to be a little bit of a different story. So, I mean, it's still up in the air. I know the guys on Happy Hour discussed his Ross Chastain, the next Dale Earnhardt. Um, I have to disagree with that. I think Dale Earnhardt had a lot more respect in the garage area than what Ross Chastain does now. But, I mean, it could change. Um, with, with that being said, though, you mentioned a good stat about Kyle Larson. I mean, six times in 11 races this season that Larson has failed to finish on the lead lap. He's now 10th in the point standings. Is this kind of disappointing? Um so far from for you from what you've seen from this five team i mean obviously i know that they had cliff daniels gone for four races because of the suspension um but i mean we've seen him have plenty of chances to win and i know he's only got the two uh wins right now but i mean he could have had four or five already is this a little bit of a disappointing um start to the uh, season so far for larson it's a disappointing start, but I don't think the blame falls on Larson or any of the team members. Okay. It's everything, every pretty much everything that's happened has been out of their control. Have a chance to win on the Daytona 500 in the final lap, gets wrecked. Had one of the fastest cars at Fontana, but had that uh, mechanical failure that kept them trap laps down. Um, running second at Atlanta, but the leader blows a tire and he gets taken out with him, with Eric Almarola. And then at Dover... Uh, Larson was one of the best was looking to be one of the best cars in the early races and then his car gets crippled so there hasn't really I guess you can maybe say he was somewhat at fault for what happened with Priest at, at Bristol Dirt but of all the thing that's been of all the things that's happened to Larson in the five team this year none of them have been their fault and it, when they have the chance to actually finish the race they've been fantastic two wins obviously Las Vegas and Phoenix early in the year got top fives could have won those two but if the five teams able to make it to the finish going forward, they look like one of the best teams week in and week out. Last but not least, any final thoughts regarding Dover before we dive into my interview that I conducted earlier today with the driver, of the number 48 car, Parker Klergerman. So I think the next, so the next gen car has kind of drawn some controversy at some tracks, but I do think it's worked very well at Dover. Um, Byron kind of dominated the first half of the second half. We saw, you know, a bunch of different players out front, pretty exciting finish. And, but I think, I do think in terms of Dover, looking at the date, the weekend it's held, that might be something to consider because it got moved to uh, the first weekend of May in, in 2018. And since then, every single uh, race on that date has either gotten rained out, had a rain delay or had the threat of rain. And with Dover and its new ownership and uh, being one race in the schedule, 
it's it's paramount that the 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 tracks placed at the proper pl- uh, part in the schedule because especially with a track with no lights like lights like Dover, the problems with rain are only exacerbated exacerbated even further. Steven, stay right there, my dude. Let's dive into this interview that I conducted a little bit ago with the driver number 48 car for Big Machine Racing, Mr. Parker Glegerman. Right now, folks, at this time, I'm going to bring into the program. We had him on after Sonoma. He was currently a part-time truck series driver, and now he's a full-time driver in the NASCAR Xfinity Series for Big Machine Drive the number 48 car, Parker Kleggerman. PK, what's going on, my friend? How you doing, man? Good, buddy. I'm uh, currently in New York City, uh, up here for the week, as it's my one off week of the entire year. So I came back up to Connecticut, which is home for me, um, and try to just take it easy and not tune out quite that much. I'm still working on some stuff that we're launching today, um, which is pretty cool podcast and, and some other stuff. We've been building for the last couple of months, which is awesome. But um, yeah, in terms of racing, just not doing any sim this week, which is unusual to not be 20 hours in the sim or ever. And uh, just trying to decompress a little bit and then get ready for the, you know, the push into the summer of our season and, and go out there and get our first win. You mentioned the one off week. How have you been able to navigate that lifestyle? I saw, I think it was probably... <laughs> your Twitter that you got an apartment in Charlotte, but you still have been making the trip to, to Connecticut and everything. So just how have you been able to navigate that, that lifestyle approach going full-time this season? You know, it's been a big adjustment and I know there's no sympathy, right? I, and I, I'm not looking for sympathy. I, I think it's uh, it's a really cool thing, right? I mean, I've, I'm a professional race car driver that right now has apartments in two cities and, and gets to, you know, bop around and that sort of thing and gets to go drive sim and that and be so immersed in the, our program at big machine racing. And that's been the cool part for me. You know, the apartment down there was really so I could just immerse myself with the team, with Patrick Donahue and our engineer, Cody McKenzie and all of our guys to just be there. Right. And be in it. And I owe that to Scott Borchetta and Spike Coolers and everyone who supports this program. And so it's been seven days a week for me. Um, and I love it. It's awesome. And it's so cool to be this immersed and, you know, it's, it's not easy either. Like, you know, I, uh, I was telling someone, I was like, my days are so packed and I'm like the difference between doing this part-time and doing this full-time, it, it goes from a, you know, a couple hours a week to being seven days a week um, that you're thinking and, and working and, and trying to be better and help the team grow and that sort of thing. So it's immense. Um, and it's been an adjustment, but, you know, I, I think it's like one of those things where I just owed it to myself even to just immerse myself the way I have. And and the reason I go back to saying, like, I'm not looking for sympathy, I, I see people say, like, you know, oh, they bet on themselves. and Maybe they, they, you know, took sponsorship and went to two races or something. I have literally bet on myself financially, <laughs> time, <laughs> everything this year um, in a lot of ways and taken an immense amount of risk. And, um, you know, I'm I'm confident it's going to pay off. But Part of that was to make sure I immersed myself and, and you know, it's uh, it's working so far, my opinion. Now, you're you're mentioning that two days a week for the truck series and now you're going all seven days. Uh, last time I talked with you, you were in a truck. Obviously, you were doing part time stuff as well as NBC. 
I want to get your take on the differences between the truck racing and then the drivers in that truck and the, the truck series compared to the Xfinity series, because from what I've, from what I've seen and what I've heard, it's everybody's just going insane in the truck series. While Xfinity has quote unquote, a little bit more respect. Mm-hmm. Do you see that in just so far, how you've been um, able to be, um, raced i mean what what are we 10 races into the season i mean um you have a little bit of a sample size but do you get that sense that there's a little bit more respect in the xfinity series um with how you're being raced no (laughs) (laughs) no not even a little bit i uh i've been run into i've been wrecked i've been turned at the start finish line for a win which i'm still haven't figured out and i still don't believe the uh the you know the the, what I was told as to why the reason I was spun. Um, I got spun racing for 17th at Dover for no damn reason, um, you know, and wrecked and taken out of a chance to go win a hundred thousand dollars. And I, I watched it a million times and I don't know like what was being thought through that whole process of the turn two at Dover. Like at any point for a five, 10 second stretch, you could lift out a throttle and we would have made it through that corner. Um, so I, I just think, no, I don't see a big difference. And, you know, I think in the Xfinity series, it's tough. Sure. I think the, the teams, you know, the level of teams you're up against are, uh, you know, obviously I like to call it cup light in that respect, because these are teams that are either affiliated with cup teams or um, basically could be right. So I, I think, or, I mean, really, if you look at the top 12, every organization we race against is essentially affiliated with a cup team, except for, you know, us in a lot of respects. Right. So um yeah I, I think that part is 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 tougher um but as for driving standards and such no i don't i don't see a big difference and i really think at the front of the field across all three series you're going to be dealing with talented people um talented drivers that are you know working as hard as they can to win and and yes is there a difference when kyle bush comes and does a truck race absolutely right he's in the best equipment and he's a really damn good driver um but I think in the Xfinity series, you maybe get a little bit more of that, right? With just more guys coming down um, and, and racing Xfinity and you have more races. But in terms of respect and all that stuff, I think what you see on Sundays and what you see on Saturdays and what you see on Fridays is pretty much the same. How, how did we get here, though, Parker? Because like five, ten years ago, we, w- we, we saw the respect and now it's just flown out the window. So how, how have we gotten to this so far where you can just wreck a person and have no consequences. Well, I'm not going to say, you know, I, I'm not convinced it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's a bug and not a feature, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're if you want to make an entertaining product, um, you know, this is this is a reality show for 38 weeks on wheels, right? And essentially, this is just more drama. So, I think it's an incentive structure thing too. Like, you you look at what the sport or where it's gone in terms of the championship design and in terms of the value of winning and the way the cars are made with composite bodies and that sort of thing. And you just sort of, you start to see the incentive structure is, is, you know, funneling to this point of that, you know, you need to win and that's it. And like you win, it's such a massive thing over not winning (laughs) that you're incentivized to do whatever it takes to win. And, to throw caution to the wind and you're not really penalized for overstepping the line, right? Because one, the cars can, you can get away with a fair amount of contact uh, these days. You, you know, you wreck and you lose a ton of points. All right, just go win a race. You'll be fine. 
right? You'll be in the playoffs. So it's like, I really think the incentive structure is to win. And that's why we see uh, the type of racing we do. And then you have the, the car design as well that adds to that. So those two things combined, I don't see any reason it's going to change. And I don't think it's like, you know, all this generation of drivers saw someone wrecking and that's, no, it's none of that. It's just the, the sport incentive structure is designed this way and the cars can take it. Driver of the number 48 car, Parker Kligerman, joins the Front Stretch podcast with Brian Owen. I'm pretty sure I have I have an answer to this, PK, but uh, just, just based on your on your last question, I'm, I'm assuming you have not talked to Corey Heim um yet based on based on that previous answer i know you gave him the he's number one um after after that wreck any incentive to talk to him has he reached out um is that settled yet uh he has reached out and i i you know i don't want to sound petty that i haven't responded i've actually just been really busy and wanted to come up with the right thing to say back so uh i will write him a text back um but i I, you know i stand by my my thought process of just i i don't i think it's similar to Atlanta for me, which is words are really cheap when I see the actions on track and I can look at the SMT data and I can see everything that basically happened and think, you know, okay, your words don't line up with the data. So like, what, what are we saying here? Um, and I, I, you know, it's just disappointing, but I, uh, I've made mistakes, you know, so I've been there. Um, I remember many years ago, I wrecked uh, Mark Martin for the, racing for the lead at Michigan on a late race restart in the trucks. That was one of the more uh, hurtful points of my career. Um, And Mark was really kind in responding to me um, with a nice text. Now in that instance, for me, you know, we were racing for a win and yes, I was a young kid who made a stupid mistake. Um, You know, I have a problem more so when you're wrecking behind that. Right. And that's a bigger thing for me, but we will, uh, I'll come up with the right things to respond with and, you know, we'll move forward. Let's talk some happier news, my friend. Let, let's dive into Thank some you. happier. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, first year at Big Machine Racing, Big Machine Records, um, you and your crew chief, Pat, Patrick Donahue, did you have any interaction with him before you guys dove into this uh, crew chief uh, driver combo this year? And then how, how do you just gain that relationship? off the track and apply it to on the track since you guys are together so many weeks throughout the year. You know, we didn't have a really close relationship beforehand, just a little bit from me doing the TV side, right. And sort of bopping into their trailer at times and, and seeing, you know, as he worked at different teams and me sort of doing what I did on pit road, I, I obviously knew who Patrick Donnie was and we had a, uh, you know, we knew of each other, but until we really went to Talladega last year, you know, I don't think I really had a long conversation with him. And then, you know, through this off season starting in November and through December and into January and especially February and, and March and so on and so forth, we've obviously spent a lot of time together. And I think we've found that uh, it's funny. The thing that connected, I feel like myself and Scott Borchetta and now Patrick Donahue and myself is that we all love motorsports and it's not just NASCAR. Like Patrick and I will talk F1 Many more hours and we will talk NASCAR news and that sort of thing. And we, we just, you know, we go down those paths. He was texting me the other night about some F1 stuff. And I was like, this is so funny. Like, no, I don't know any driver crew chief combinations out there. They're discussing the latest F1 news as opposed to, you know, how the car setup should be. So we just have that mutual interest and it's really cool. I think that's the things you have to find, right? When you're, you know, you can put the, the onus on work and results and all of that. But at some point you've got to have some form of, personal connection or, or common ground that you can find that maybe just outside of the, 
the, the microcosm of your car and that performance of that. And so motorsports has been that thing for us. And, and that, you know, that means all forms of racing, which is cool. Um, and, you know, in terms of our relationship at track, I think, you know, like any new relationship, we had to figure each other out and sort of, you know, we're still going through that in terms of things I might want out of the car and his perception of what I'm saying. And, you know, even there's just inflection points on the radio, of what, you know, how large to go with an adjustment or that sort of thing. So that's all natural. And, it ha- you know, time is a, is a great uh, friend to that process. Um, but I'd say overall, you know, we're really getting along and we've had the performance and been close to winning races. So what more can you ask for? Now, you mentioned earlier in this interview that this was your basically your only off week till the end of the season. I mean, l- let's be honest, PK, this this NASCAR season is a grind. I mean, you're you're working from February all the way to November or the middle of November. I don't I can't exactly remember the exact date, um, but November I 6th through the 8th. Yep. <laughs> you, you are you know to an exact stat. I love it. Um for February to November the eighth, thank you, BK. Um, you guys are on the road. So just how how, how do you not get so burnt out, let's say June, July, August, where you're still grinding away, um, trying to get close to the playoffs? I think it's key to be able to know when and where to expel your energy, right? And for people who are not in the sport and have never been in the sport, right? They, they'll find that odd because they'll say, look, I work at a, you know, nine to five job or, you know, I'm running my own company and I know, you know, that what you're doing is more fun than what I'm doing, right? Maybe in that sense, it, it, it'd be so cool to be a professional race car driver. And I agree, but there is an element of you are mark to market every single Saturday, right? You are, everything you put in is, is the result sheet on Friday and Saturday is the efforts of all your hard work and it can be good. And sometimes it can be bad and it's out of your control. Right. And so I think it's really important as you, you learn in this game is that, you know, where and when to expel your energy. And that might mean specific races that you put more emphasis on because for whatever reason you feel like it, you, you have an upper hand there, right? Maybe it's a type of racetrack, whatever, maybe for the team, there's certain races you might say, Hey, we got to really push on this one, but here's two that maybe, you know, we need to just get through and that sort of thing. And those are decisions, even if it's not conscious, it's subconsciously being made. Right. And um, I just think that's what the really, really good teams do. Right. Um, and the teams that fight for championships know when and where to expel their energy. And you got to make those decisions. You got to know it's, it's not, there's no right or wrong way, right. For everyone. It's whatever suits your situation, your team, you, um, and I think that's key. And so, and then you've got to find, you've got to give yourself, it's the hardest thing. You got to turn it off sometimes. Right. And that's like some of these guys play golf, right. And they do whatever. And it's like, that's really tough, uh, to turn it off because you are in a season in a competitive endeavor. And you think that one minute you're not thinking about it or working on it. You're, you're falling behind your competition and it's not always the case, but, um, I think for myself personally, I, I, I have a little bit of an upper hand in that I haven't gotten to do this for a while. So every moment is awesome. (laughs) So I don't get tired and I don't lose energy, but uh, I know, you know, having done this in the past, it can be a grind and especially if it starts to go wrong. And that's where you really got to fall back to the fundamentals and know, you know, have confidence in yourself, your team and your worth at work ethic um, to sort of get out of those ruts. And, And then, you know, on top of that, knowing when and where to expel your energy is really key. 
Last but not least, Parker, Parker Klerkerman, driver of the number 48 car for Big Machine Records, Big Machine Racing in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Key area, you, Patrick Donahue, on this overall, this number 48 Spike Coolers team. What is the key area that you guys need to improve on to make a playoff push heading into the summer stretch? Um, You know, I've been asked this a couple times because I feel like going into Dover where we were, it's kind of where we should be, right? We were about 11th in points, I think. Um, and, you know, I sort of thought we were having a B start to the year. You know, if we get into victory lane in Atlanta or Talladega uh, or even, you know, don't have mechanical fair at Coda, we're probably sitting far further up in points, obviously. Um, and, you know, I think that would rock it up to sort of an A. But I think there is, there's things I've had to do better um, for sure. You know, there's areas that, just adjusting these cars with no practice, no qualifying, you know, like just trying to connect the sim to the real life. But I haven't even been there in the car and t- these cars before. It's like, this is a very hard gap to, to, you know, close. And at the same time, it's not like, you know, I've like this, and this is not a knock. It's just, we're a very young team, right? It's not a very established program. So I'm helping build this program with Patrick and Cody uh, and everyone involved. And, you know, so that makes me a very integral part of the, the the operation and you know there's times where i felt like you know i could have done that better right or i could have done this better um and it's just little things it's you know maybe it's a restart or it's a uh choice in terms of what direction to go with the uh changes in the middle of the race right where i'm calling for one thing and then you look at the data and you think well you know what you really needed the other thing right and it's simple stuff like that that have that have held us back from being probably a couple spots ahead in each race. Right. Um, and then in terms of just the team overall, I think there's just in the same vein, there's just stuff we can start to clean up, right. Maybe it's in the pit stops or it's in our you know preparation before the race weekend, just those little things that you've got to work on, but we're a young team. You know, this is, this is our third year where uh, you know, many points ahead of where they were, a year ago and a year before that. Right. And so it's been big jumps from this race team and, and Patrick Donnie has done a great job doing that. Um, and I hope to, you know, propel them even further up. And I really think we were close to doing that to start this year, but I think there's just stuff we have to clean up and it's not one particular thing. I can't say like, Oh, you know, if we just turned better off the X of the corners everywhere, we'd be better. It's just not that easy. It's, it's a series of 10 or 12 things that we've got to just continually refine, clean up. And if we do that, we'll find ourselves, uh, you know, continuing the upward trajectory that we've been on um, and hopefully find ourselves, you know, closer to being the top eight in points. And my goal, and I've said this to everyone, is, you know, one, to go win races. Two, it is to put us in a position that when we are at Phoenix in that championship four, on that day, we can go into that race with the confidence that we can compete for a championship. And that's what I know I've done my job. Big dreams, big goals, and I know uh, this guy can get it done at Parker, at Pete Kligerman, I should say, at Pete Kligerman. They're off this week, but you can check out Parker and the number 48 team at Darlington one week from this upcoming Saturday. Parker, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you, and um, I will see you, I think I'll see you in Portland, buddy. Awesome. Look forward to it. That will uh, hopefully be a race, and I'll see you in Victory Lane. So very much looking forward (laughs) to that one. Love the road courses. We showed a lot of speed at Coda. I know we can uh, we can bring even more speed than that to Portland. So I'm pumped. But thanks for having me on, man. And uh, I'm going to go try and, you know, conserve some energy.
<laughs> Parker Clarkman, driver of the number 48 car for Big Machine in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Once again, at P. Clarkman on the Twitter. Once again, that was Parker Clarkman, driver of the number 48 car. Big thanks to Paul Williams uh, of Big Machine Records and Big Machine Racing. Um, big thanks to Trey Lyle for helping a brother out and uh, letting me, while I was at work, I was on a lunch break. I literally recorded it in the parking lot of a Walmart. So uh, isn't technology fun these days? I mean, there's a lot of negativity about it, but there's a lot of cool stuff as well. Um, One guy that is very, very cool. That's my boy, Steven Stump, the all-knowing statistics man who's going to be on the ground this upcoming weekend in Kansas. Steven, my friend, Kansas, another mile and a half second mile and a half of the season um now 23 11 racing swept the season in 2022 at kansas kurt bush winning the first race bubble Wallace winning the second race um overall your overall thoughts on kansas and should it have two dates so in regards to two dates i think something to watch also is the attendance kind of for the two races this year, but also looking at the forecast, there's might be some threats of thunderstorms on Sunday, maybe not the entire day, but that might play into it as well. Yesterday, I would have said, yes, Kansas or, or last year, I would have said Kansas does deserve two dates because the next gen car, the racing on the intermediates was fantastic, but granted there's only been one other 1.5 mile track in Las Vegas. And just from that race, it seemed to take a step back. So I think also what's going to be important to look at is how Kansas races, because if it kind of produces the same race racing that it did when Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson battled for the win last year, I think it's a good enough track to remain on the schedule twice. What is it? What, what difference is this mile and a half compared to the other ones? Because it feels like this racetrack, it's it's gotten more wear and tear along with age. And then the, the racing has gotten better and better as it has aged. So, I mean, just what are your overall thoughts on just the racing that we see at Kansas? I think it's kind of, I think Kansas is also kind of in that sweet spot where oftentimes the track struggles with racing after it's paved. And then sometimes it gets too worn out. Kansas I, was repaved either the end of 2012 or start of 2013. So it's been, it's been 10 years since. And so the, I think the tracks age very well. And obviously, even though a lot of tracks may be 1.5 miles, there's differences in banking, there's differences in the pavement, wideness, and so on. But, but yeah, I think mainly just the pavements worn out very well. And that's one of the main reasons why Kansas has been pretty good and one of the best mile and a half out there. Let's dive into guys to watch for. Who's going to be keeping your eye? Uh, who, who's who's a couple guys that you're going to be keeping your eye on this upcoming Sunday? Hopefully, fingers crossed for Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be a battle between Toyota or Hendrick. So as we all know, uh, it was the 45 car, 2311 sweeping Kansas last year. Kurt in, this, in May, Bubba in September. Um, but then also, granted, Two years ago, there was no next gen car, but it's also but Kyle Larson led the most laps in both races. Then he won one of them. Kyle Busch of JGR won the other. But also, I'm looking at kind of Las Vegas, the 1.5 mile track in March, and that was a race dominated by Hendrick. Byron led the most laps. Larson was right there with him, 
And so kind of given the last kind of since 2022, I believe it's going to be kind of a battle between either 2311, some of JGR and uh, Byron, Larson, maybe Chase Elliott all race long. For me, I'm going to be keeping my eye on on the guy that finished fourth in Las Vegas. That was Bubba Wallace. Uh, race was dominated by HMS one two three, um, in which Chase Elliott was not racing due to the snowboarding accident. Um, even though they led eighty nine percent of their laps, it did look like Bubba was getting better and better as time went on. So, with that being said, uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on the twenty three group. I think the twenty three, even the forty five, I think Tyler Reddick can get up there as well. Um, would not be surprised to see both of those Toyotas and twenty three eleven racing um, contend for the win this upcoming Sunday. Stephen, let's dive into our race picks. Who is going to be winning this upcoming weekend at Kansas, my friend? As I kind of said, there's a lot of great contenders that could be there for the win, but I'm going to go with Byron because, again, he dominated the one at Las Vegas in March, and I think he's having the best season of his career so far. He's already tied with two wins, and last year he won twice early, but then kind of went on a very bad slump until the playoff starts. I'm not seeing that this year. He's been, he's been, and he's been fast at a ton of places. He's been fast at Las Vegas, Phoenix. Circuit of the Americas, Dover, a bunch of various tracks. And and also, if you look at his at Byron's history, he's also been very good at the 1.5 milers as well. So I'm going to say that he gets it done on Sunday. I'm going to go with the guy that I that I literally just mentioned. I think the 23 car, Bubba Wallace, he's, he, he's been looking better and better, and he is fantastic on these mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, I, so I, I think the 23 car is, is going to go to victory lane, going to get 23-11, their third, uh, their second win of the season. I should say not third, but their second win of the season. Could have been third if uh, some things went their way, but uh, uh, Tyler Reddick did win one earlier this year, and I think Bob Wallace is going to win another one for Michael Jordan and twenty three eleven. I think they're going to get the job done, but we shall see. The race two p.m. local time, three p.m. Eastern stages eighty one sixty five and two sixty seven for a total of four hundred point five miles. Stephen, let's dive on in. Some final thoughts and wrap it up, brother. Checkered flag, here I come. Oh, no! So, something that caught my eye is, obviously, one of the biggest talking points of this season so far has been the ratings drop. And especially, like, we were getting races where it'd be 15% down, maybe sometimes even 20% down. Well, last Dover, well, at Dover this weekend, it was actually up 13%. And you can compare it because while Dover was on a Monday... Last year, Dover was also on a Monday. The crowded the crowd attendance also looked pretty good, too. So, I mean, there's been, you know, talks of the Chase Elliott effect, whether that affect the ratings. He's back now. But after kind of several weekends of, you know, kind of frustrating results and frustrating viewership, it's it's we have one we have a week or a couple of weeks where it seems to be going back in the right direction. So I think it'll be interesting to see if that continues to follow the trend going into the summer. So for those that don't know, I host, I, I own my own business. I own, I own my own landscaping business. So Monday morning I was out and I was listening to the race on PRN. Uh, I was mowing away, mowing at a, at a client's house and I was listening and, and something caught my eye and they, they were making fun and the announcers on PRN, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, the analyst on it was making fun of the IndyCar crowds and saying, man, this crowd is awesome. 
IndyCar just wishes that they could have half of this crowd. And then a little while later, they, they were saying something about Formula One at Monaco and, and they, with a little diss to, to Red Bull saying, we all know who's going to win. And and for, for, for me, it's just like, why? Like, why are you trying to, to downplay other racing series? Why are you trying to put a spin on on other racing series why can't we just be a fan of of every single one i mean um sure nascar will always be the number one um here in the states it's not going to be the number one in the world i mean that will belong to formula one whether we like it or not and and sure formula one is getting more and more popular but, but why are we tearing down indycar indycar is just trying to survive let's be let's just be honest besides the indy 500 the ratings are not good and so what why are we get, putting in little jabs i i just think that's unnecessary and and maybe i'm reading a little bit too much into it but i i just felt that that was unnecessary and that was it was a little bit uh it just wasn't cool in my opinion so i mean let, let's just let's just be better and um let, let's try and not tear people down and and uh try and and try and build people up last but not least steven stump what are you going to be cooking up my friend i know you do an excellent excellent article every single week on the latest statistics with your stat sheet so what is going to be cooking up in your brain that you're going to be putting on to the computer screen for all of us to read my friend uh well it's still kind of in the works obviously with everything that happened at dover we're gonna dalton dalton hopkins and i will be both be there in terms of the you know the media session on saturday we might be asking drivers about Ross Chastain and kind of what their thoughts on kind of Dover was um, maybe ask about intermediate intermediate tracks with the next gen car. If they, there'll be a better race. Among other things, I'm trying to get them one-on-ones that's still currently in the process. And I will hopefully have a bunch of stuff as always to uh, have penned on the front stretch website. Once again, that was my man, Mr. Steven Stump. How about you follow us all on the Twitter sphere at Steven underscore Stump. That is S-T-U-M-P-F at the Brian Nolan. And then at Frontstretch, once again, at Steven underscore Stump at Frontstretch and at the Brian Nolan. Check out all of our fantastic editions of the podcast that we do. One of the great, great podcasts, not just in the racing circuit, but all of the of the podcast world the happy hour podcast trey lyle dalton hopkins michael massey and uh they had a big hoss mr jared hoss joining them they chatted about legacy motor club switching from uh chevy to toyota they talked about martin Truex jr's win they talked about uh ross chastain even michael massey sang a song about ross chastain it was so good so good so good. Shout out, Michael Massey. Shout out, Massey. Um, last but not least, the Pitt Street Alex Gens, Jack Swansea. Shout out, Formula One. Shout out, Miami. They had a fantastic uh, recap of Azerbaijan. And then um, Stock Car Scoop as well. I mean, we got, we got so many ones. And I can't even forget about the betting podcast. Through the Gears, Mark Harris. I mean, we are building something absolutely incredible. Stay tuned for all those here on the Front Stretch Podcast Network. Steven, thank you so much, and uh, have fun in Candace, and we'll talk soon, bro. Sounds good. Happy to be on the road once again. See I you later. It. I love it, my friend. Motorsports reporter for FrontStretch.com. Steven underscore Stump on Twitter, Mr. Steven Stump.
Next week on the program, Mr. Dalton Hopkins will be joining me. We'll be recapping Kansas preview in Darlington and uh, so, so, so much more. And then we're going to have a very, very special interview Luke and Glover conducted with John Wood. It's a very insightful interview, a little bit long, but very insightful. Um, talks about Harrison Burton, just the Wood Brothers legacy, and so much more. So stay tuned for that for next week. For Trey Lyle, who does a kick-ass job editing the program, for Mr. Stephen Stump, Tom Bowles, and everybody associated with Front Trench, thank you so much for listening. I am Brian Timothy Down On. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk with you next week to recap Candace and preview. Lady in Black in Darlington.